0: All right, well, um, turn your Bibles, if you will, tonight, uh, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, uh, we'll be reading verses 5 and 9, there is no handout tonight, just, uh, so, you uh, going to have to do it the old-fashioned way, you just have to take notes, so, but uh, Genesis chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 5 and 9, uh, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll get into our text this evening, Father God. Lord in heaven, again, thank you for uh, just those who are faithful to be here tonight. Father, we uh, pray for those who couldn't be here tonight, that you'd watch over them and uh, protect them. I pray, Father, that uh, hopefully there's those who are uh, maybe watching us tonight on live stream, that uh, you will bless them. And uh, as I know, a lot of people can't just get out in the cold and the and the, when it gets dark. And so we just pray that um, you'll be with each and every one of them tonight. I pray that this message would be... Uh, Honoring and glorifying to you. Uh, Be a blessing to the congregation. Uh, Thank you again just for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for being our God. And thank you most of all for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, Thankful for my salvation. and I know so many others are thankful as well. That we know 100% sure that we will spend eternity one day in heaven with you. And uh, so, so, so thankful for that. As we enter into this time of thanksgiving, Father, help us to be mindful of that each and every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 6, um, beginning in verse 5 tonight. Uh, The Bible says And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight briefly. Um, tonight, I want to look at walking with God. We see that Noah walked with God. Uh, there's a saying out there that we've heard, your talk, wa- or your talk walks and your walk all right, sorry. Your talk talks and your walk talks, uh, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. Uh, and so it's important that when we think about our walk, you know, what what is your walk like? What is your walk like? Do you walk like a Christian? Um, do you tell? And, and, and you know, what's really cool? How can you tell if you're really walking a proper walk, a walk that that pleases God? How can you tell? Oh, well, it's really simple. Do you have to tell someone you're a Christian, or can they tell you're a Christian? Do you have to tell them you're a Christian, or can they tell that you're a Christian? Um, I, I agree. I, I share that, you know, as uh, I don't know if I've told you that. There was a time when uh, being in the military and, uh, you know, up at work, uh, a lot of my coworkers knew I was a Christian. Uh, I, share, I, I wasn't afraid to share my faith. I wasn't afraid. I had things in my office. People knew it. Um, I, I had, had asked people not to use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, I was willing to, to take those steps, and people knew it. I remember one day I was walking through. Um, uh, you know, I worked in calm, and I was walking through one of our maintenance bays. And as I was going through the maintenance bay, one of the young airmen, uh, he, he hollers at me and he says, hey, Sergeant Patzer, I want to show you something. Come here, I want to show you this on my phone. And another uh, guy that was in the shop, uh, he was one who claimed to be a Christian, uh, but he, he didn't have a very good walk. He didn't have a very good walk. He, he had witnessed what was on. The, this, this guy wanted to show me on his phone. He wanted to show me a video. But he had the decency to say, airman. Consider who you're about to show that video to. And immediately the airman turns and says, "Sorry, Sergeant Patzer, never mind." Because he knew the other individual, while maybe not a very very faithful in his walk, knew that it wasn't something I would want to see. And so, what's your walk look like? Do people know that you're a Christian, or do you have to tell them that you are? Um, are you walk, do you have the walk of a Christian? Uh, there's a story about a father and a son who arrived in a small western town. The father was looking for his uncle, whom he'd never met. He knew his uncle was in this small western town, and, and his son was with him. And they were walking along this, uh, along this area of the town, and they looked across the square, and the father says to his son, there goes my uncle. And the son looks at his dad, and he says, How do you know that's your uncle? You've never met him before. He said, son, I know it's my uncle because he walks exactly like my father. He walks exactly like my father. Uh, Do you walk exactly like your heavenly father? What is our walk? Do people know you by your walk? We all have opportunities to show people in our lives who we really are. The question is are we being someone God wants us to be, or are we being who we want to be? Do we, are we being somebody God wants us to be, or are we being somebody we want to be? In other words, are we walking with God, or are we walking in the world? Are we walking with God, or are we walking in the world? In our, in our text this evening, uh, we get a glimpse of worldly people, right? It talks about the wickedness of man. We see these people who, are, who definitely have a wicked walk. They're walking with the world. But we also see the life of Noah. Uh, we, we get this contrast in that Noah was a just and perfect man. And so we see these two walks from our text this evening. We can also see that God is disappointed in mankind, so much so He's disappointed so much so that He's considering wiping out, or He's not considering; He's already planning on wiping out all, all of mankind, or all of all of life. You know, all of the life. He talks about it. We see here that He wants to destroy uh, man, beast, the creeping things, the fowls of the air. He's going to get rid of it all. Yet he notices that there is one man and his family that has chosen to stay close to him in their walk. So instead of wiping everyone out, he decides to do a reset. What's he say? He said, Noah, I want you to build me an ark. I want you to build me an ark, and I want, I want you to preach to the people, and you need to tell people destruction is coming. There is a, there's a flood coming. I'm going to destroy everyone off the face of the earth unless they're, and the only people that will live are those who are on the ark with you. So let me ask you something. If God were, say, wanting to do that all over again, we know he's made the promise, but let's just say for the sake of this illustration, let's just say God chose to use COVID to wipe out mankind. He's decided he's going to wipe out, he wants to, he's, just, he's done. I mean, we look at the world today, I wouldn't blame him. <clears throat> but he's going to use COVID to wipe it out. What would he say about your walk? We know what he says about Noah's. What would he say about your walk? Would he say you are wicked? Or would he say you are just and Perfect. My, our proposition to you this morning is, or this evening is, who are you walking with, the world or God? This evening, I want you to see two pivotal options every person has with regards to how you can choose to walk in the eyes of the Lord. And the first walk is a walk of destruction. And we see this in verses 5 through 7. <coughs> it's a walk of destruction. Verse 5 And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man from uh, man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. So I'm going to step through, uh, basically we're, we've got these five passages, and I'm going to step through them verse by verse, just so we can kind of get, uh, we can see... Wh- these two walks. And these first two walks happen through 5 through 7. So, what do we see in verse 5? Uh, right off the bat, we see in verse 5 that man's heart is only evil continually. Only evil continually. Uh, the Hebrew word translated as wickedness is, is one of the basic words that's used for sin in the Old Testament. It has the most basic sense of evil. So, we know that man's heart is evil. It's, 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 neat. it's funny how um, when people are asked to pray to get saved, we, we pray and ask Jesus to come into where? Our heart. Why? Because that's where it need, he needs to be. Our hearts are black and wicked, and we need light, and Jesus is pure light. He, will, he can fix our ailing hearts. He can fix the ailing hearts of mankind. Uh, through his grace and his power, we can have victory over sin and over evil, but we need to have him in our hearts because our hearts are evil, only, uh, only evil continually. I mean, Think about that. All the time. Uh, why, why is it that way? Uh, ultimately, it's evil uh, because, face, let's face it, um, God and his, without the word of God, without the word of God, if we relied on man... For morality in this country or in this world, uh, let's just face it: anything would go. And we're seeing it already. We're seeing a turn from God, and therefore we are seeing craziness in our country uh, and in this world. This stuff, you know, what's really crazy is a lot of these things were happening in, in other countries before they were happening uh, in the United States. Uh, the whole idea of of denying your gender. You're born, that is a total, it goes. I can't imagine, it's funny that uh, science would tell us that we need to look to, uh, we, we, we shouldn't look at creationism, that, that science shows us that the world is evolved, that it happened from a big bang, and, and science tells us that we're supposed to be obedient to this, but now we have scientists saying, well, you know, I mean, if they say they're not a boy, they're not a boy. What? Are you kidding me? It's basic biology. You can't refute what biology is. Just because you say you're not a boy when biologically you are, that might be okay in your mind, but it's not okay in my mind, and you shouldn't have the right to, to force that on me. I shouldn't have to uh, bend to that. We see in our school, you want to see immoral, immorality out of control, in our own schools today, we see that they're putting uh, litter boxes in bathrooms for kids who identify as dogs and cats. You want that, to That's what our world looks like without God in it. Because God's been out of school for quite a while now. And now go to a school, a public school, and look at what it looks like. If we take God out of everything, and we totally lose him in this country... It's, it's pure wickedness. Because why? Because our heart is only evil continually. Joshua warns of, uh, our, I mean, the book of Judges warns us all the time. They did what was right in their own eyes. Man will always do what's right in his own eyes. That's why we need the word of God to keep us, to have moral standards. We need a standard, and God must be our standard. But the word translated also for imagination uh, has the sense of the framework of a thought or philosophy. In other, in other words, the thought structure of the human race had deteriorated to a place <coughs> where it was only evil continually. Sounds like the thoughts today. Sounds like the very same thoughts today. In fact, uh, look at, when we look at our world today um, and try to compare it with what God. I mean, we, we look at what God. How bad were things In that day that God wanted to wipe everyone out. How bad was it in Sodom that he did wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah? And and so, if we're not there yet, I can't imagine how wicked these places were. Now look at verse 6. We come down into verse 6. What is the result of this wickedness? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. This is the result of our wickedness, of man's wickedness. It grieved God that he had made us. <coughs> this is the walk that this is a walk that grieves God. It's a walk that grieves God. The Hebrew word for repented, now, that's kind of wild. It says it repented. And we've learned in the past, uh, I preached a message once, and I talked about repentance. What is repentance? When we read of repentance, it's we're on this road to sin, And we realize that sin is wrong and we must repent of our sin. And so repenting is a turning away from or turning around and going away from sin and toward God. That's what repentance is that we talk about for salvation. Okay, This is not the same repented. The idea of this repented, this Hebrew word, uh, deals with grief or regret. More so like he's regretted now. I regret that I even made these people. Man, let me ask you something. How would you feel if as a little kid you came home one day from school and you walked into the house and your dad looked at you and said, I regret you were ever born. But that's where our God is at this point. What do you think he's thinking today? I'm hoping that there's enough people out there today that God doesn't regret creating man But he's probably really disappointed in us. There's no doubt about that. But I pray that he's not at that. I don't don't want our God to... He's not willing that any should perish. He loves us all. But think about it. He's at a point here. He's grieved by sin. And therefore he regrets where we are in our life. Man has used his liberty for the occasion of the flesh. God has created man. He wants man to live for him, to serve him, to worship him. But what is it? Oh, I've used the liberty of my creation to do whatever I want to do. And we are not to use our liberty for the occasion of flesh. This is a walk uh, with the world. It is a walk that is a walk with the world. And what we get harsh words. These are harsh, harsh words that come from James. In James 4, verse 4, James tells us, Ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's pretty harsh. He's talking to... Uh, to believers. James, we know, he's talking to Jewish believers. And he says, ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever there will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. He's not saying that if you're living in the world and sharing the gospel, oh, I'm I'm an enemy of God because I went outside and I went to Walmart today. No, no, we have to be in the world But he's talking. these people are of the world. They look like the world. Their walk looks like the world. They're camouflaged Christians, or they're camouflaged believers. They can't tell the difference. What happens? This is when we see things that appeal to us, yet they grieve God. I'm okay with that, but they grieve God. It's doing what's right in our own eyes. That's where this point gets to, right? Um, And you know what's really crazy is? The people today, and we see this in churches, that this hyper grace movement, that it's okay to live in your sin. Um, what happens is we spiritualize it. We literally spiritualize things or uh, to make them seem okay. Let's talk about, it. so um, I'm going to hit on this one, drinking alcohol, because I was there. I didn't get saved until I was 30 years of age, and after I was saved, I was still drinking Because I was one of those who spiritualized it. I I was like, well, Jesus turned the water into wine, so it must be okay. Why would he make wine for this party if it wasn't okay to drink it? Okay? Uh, And and that's what we do. We get in our mind and we we find things that justify what we want to do and make it okay in our own sight. But if we study and we look and we see that in Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Um, I was deceived by my desire to still have an occasional drink. I wasn't, I wasn't partying. I wasn't getting drunk. I even told my pastor, I don't see what's the problem with me having an occasional drink. Yeah, I, I, you know what? You're railing on me for having an occasional drink, but I've never heard you once preach on uh, gluttony, and look what happens at our potluck's. We all joke about one member of the church who makes three trips through the line before most of us have been through once. I said, when are you going to sit down and talk to him? Well, I had a great way to defend myself. I was spiritualized. I was, I was making it okay for me to drink. And until I was challenged to sit down and write on a piece of paper all the pros and cons of drinking alcohol, I was illuminated. Really tough to come up with pros. But, man, there are a lot of cons. There are a lot of cons. Why? Because you're deceived. I'm, I was deceived by my desire for alcohol, and it made me not wise. The Bible is where we get our wisdom. If wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, I should look at that and go, mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. I don't. I want wisdom. Why? God's not gonna if I'm if I'm drinking alcohol and and doing what I'm not supposed to be doing and yet I get on my hands and knees and ask God to give me wisdom, you think He's gonna give it to me? He's like, dude, I gave it to you. You've got it at your fingertips and you're ignoring what I've given you so far, why would I give you more? He'll give it to you liberally, but we ought to be responsible. How about adultery? Adultery is another one people like to justify in their minds. You know, we live in a society today where uh, marriage isn't promoted. What's promoted is uh, living with somebody for a while. Fornication, there. um, uh, We see this whole fornication thing. Get to know them before you actually marry them. But then they marry them and they find out it's still not really a. So, um, well, you know, King Solomon, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he's in heaven. I've just got a wife and a girlfriend. What's wrong with that? I'm way better than Solomon was. We justify it in our own mind, but we look at Proverbs 6, verse 32. It says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Now, that, that's pretty harsh to me. I think reading, destroying my own soul, I think I, I don't want to do any adultery. Sounds like a bad idea to me. We shouldn't justify things. And it goes with so many other things. We can go into a plethora of, information, uh, uh, of sin that we try to justify in our own minds. Uh, we see it all over. And, 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 you know, and we can get into it. But Scripture will show us uh, if we seek it out. That's the problem, though. We do the, what's right in our own eyes. So we're not going to get in here and allow our eyes to truly be opened. We don't want to get in here and have our eyes truly opened. So if we stay away from the Word of God and justify what we're doing in our own eyes, it'll be okay. What happens here in verse 7? What is the result of God's grief? And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. You know, uh, there's always been that saying, you know, that uh, when you sin, your sin doesn't only affect you. It doesn't only affect the sinner. It affects all kinds of people around you. And we see this. I mean, what did the fowls of the air do wrong? What did the creeping things do? What, what about the, the animals? They didn't do anything wrong, but God repented. He, he's like, I'm, I'm wiping everything out. Sin doesn't just hurt us. It, it, it hurts everyone around us. It hurts all kinds of people. But understand that this walk, it leads to destruction. Sin separates us from God and leads us down the road to hell or destruction. Now, this doesn't mean someday that we'll no, uh, we no longer uh, exist, okay? When I say destruction, this is not, there, there's a belief of annihilationism. Annihilationism that when... when When lost people die, they just fail to exist. They're gone forever. They're just and and and, um, it means. uh, But I want you to understand. It actually means that this destruction. uh, It means an eternity of torment, separated from God. The Bible makes it clear. Second Thessalonians one nine. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That's everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Right there. Everlasting means forever. Okay? They'll be punished forever in destruction from the presence of the Lord. Matthew 25, 41 adds to that. It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Everlasting fire. That's a... Uh, ultimately we know that lost people go to hell and hell will one day be cast into a lake of fire for all of eternity separated from God and those people remember they're there because they didn't want God and God's giving them what they asked for you, don't, you reject me, you don't want me you, you hate me, I'm giving you what you asked for But this is the only place you got. I love what Matthew Henry says. He said, When God repented that He had made man, He resolved to destroy man. Thus, those that truly repent of sin will resolve in in the strength of God's grace to mortify sin and destroy it. And so to undo what they have done amiss. We do not mock God in saying that we are sorry for our sin and that it grieves us to the heart if we continue to indulge in it? What shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. How, uh, how shall we continue, uh, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? We, we are to put sin away. We're not to continue in it. But we, we deal with churches today who say it's, it's okay. Come as you are. And leave as you were, because it's all covered under the grace. It's all covered under the grace. And so that hyper-grace movement is out there, and and we can't support it. God doesn't want us to continue in sin. He wants us to depart from it. It grieves him when we do. Now we've looked at a walk of destruction. Let's look at another walk, the walk of deliverance. This walk is a walk with God. And we see this... uh, Uh, We can choose this walk, but it's only available by God's grace. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He has a walk of deliverance. His walk leads to deliverance. Uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what is grace? It is getting what you don't deserve. Right? That's what grace is. We get what we don't deserve. God shows us grace by giving us uh, a way into heaven. We don't deserve it, but he's going to give it to us through Jesus Christ, right? So how do we find the grace in the eyes of the Lord? How do we get something we do not deserve? It's through our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, we're saved by grace, God's grace, through our faith. And it's not of anything that we can do on ourselves. It is a gift from God. And Jesus is that precious gift. So it is deliverance through Jesus Christ. We have salvation. Uh, That's how we get the grace today. The grace that Noah found was through his obedience to God. He walked with God. He stayed close to God. We are getting something we do not deserve. The walk of deliverance starts with the grace of God. So then what? Look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. He was a just man and perfect in his just generations. So, ultimately, the reason why he is given grace is because, just like Jesus, he's perfect. Right? Wrong. Oh. He's not perfect. It doesn't mean that he was perfect or sinless. The word translated here in the Hebrew has the sense of being complete or whole. The idea is that Noah was wholehearted toward God. He wholeheartedly served God. He wholeheartedly walked with God. We would actually say that he was totally dedicated to walking with God. So let me show you how important it is to walk with God. How, this, is, this is key here. This is really cool when studying this out. Remember I said... Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. How important? Uh, I want you to understand. So it's important that you understand that people are watching you. People are watching you, whether it's coworkers, whether it's children, it's grandchildren. They're watching you. And so we, we, we need to ask. So that, that's why I asked that question at the beginning What is your walk like? Can people tell that you're a Christian? Or do you have to tell them that you're a Christian? And based on that, you understand people are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your grandkids are watching you. And Noah clearly understood this when he considered his great-grandfather's relationship with God. Well, who was Noah's great-grandfather? And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. Why? For God took him. See, Enoch, had a, his walk was so good with God that he didn't have to experience death. Enoch was so close to God that God allowed him to be raptured out of this world without having to experience death. He just, dis, he just failed to exist. He was gone. One day, he was gone. Because he walked with God. And Noah understood this. I'm sure Noah's dad, Lamech, told him about his grandfather. And how he walked with God. And one day he was just gone. And we knew, and they, but they knew where he was. They knew where he was. Enoch was Noah's great grandfather. And just like Enoch, Noah had a close fellowship with his maker. When we choose God and obediently obey his word. We are delivered from eternal separation from God. Instead, um, we receive, in, oh, what did I say? When we choose God and obediently obey his word, we are delivered from eternal separation from God. And instead, we receive eternal life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting. Remember we just talked about everlasting fire? It's forever. Oh, we who choose Jesus get everlasting life. All eternity in heaven living with our Lord and Savior. It is through Noah's faith seen by his obedience to God that he was justified, thus delivered from destruction. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. It's through our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need Jesus to come walking through the door and say, See, I'm real. We don't. Thomas needed that. But Jesus told Thomas, More blessed are they who believe that have not seen than you who have believed but have seen and think about that well Thomas I, I would think Thomas was more blessed than me because he got to be with Jesus physically but guess what one day I do I will too and Jesus will wrap his arms around me and said thank you for believing in me even though you never met me but you you strove to be in my word you strove to have a relation with you know that's the hardest thing I ever I'll never forget at Friendship Baptist Church shortly after we were saved and I listened to my pastor, Pastor David Class, preaching from the pulpit how we needed to love God more than our own family. And I sat in that pew thinking to myself, you're asking me, I have a, a wife I, I've been married to for a, for a few years now and I had a, an infant daughter, a little baby daughter down in the nursery, or a, she, she was a toddler. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, I remember when Ashley was born. I'll never forget when Ashley was born and they put that baby in my arms. And I thought, I have so much love for my wife. I didn't think I had enough love for anybody else. And when they put that baby in my arms, I thought, how can I love this baby so much and love my wife so much? And I was just like in awe. And now you're telling me, well, I've experienced that much love. And you're expecting me to love somebody I've never met, seen, spoke to, who's never talked to me? You want me to talk to this invisible person? You want me to love them more? But as my faith grew and as I grew and I, was re- and I understood that the reason I had a wife and a child was because of God. And if I could love them that much, and he loved me so much that he gave them to me, how could I not love him more? And I found out you can. You can Love God more than anything on the face of this earth. And that's what he wants. And when we do, he will uh, bless us in abundance. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Noah had never seen rain before, yet he built a boat that that God commanded him to build. Uh, uh, Noah didn't live on the ocean. It wasn't like, well, I'll just build a houseboat and we'll live on it he was told to build an ark how many of you think the people probably walked by and said Noah you are nuts dude what are you going to do with that thing and how are you going to get you, you, you going to fish on that thing you can't even go fishing on it it's huge what are you going to do with that and he was nowhere near you know water uh, rain had not fallen on the earth yet they didn't know what a rain uh, the water that the, the came from the dew of the ground it came from the ground and springs and, and stuff like that And all of a sudden, he's telling people there's a flood coming. God's going to destroy everything. You need to get on the ark. You need to come. And people just thought he was, and I mean, think about it. People probably thought he was crazy as a loon. Why would they listen to him? I'll tell you what, I see somebody building an ark like that out of nowhere. Uh, You might want to think about it because they're pretty dedicated to that task. When we show that kind of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about that. If we could show that kind of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we truly, then people will see our Christian walk. Because we'll be out there doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're justified and we're delivered from destruction when we show that type of faith. We know that we're not on a walk of destruction. We're on a walk of deliverance. And therefore, now we can begin to walk with God. We're walking with God. Mammoth Cave in Kentucky is the longest known cave system on earth with some 400 miles of underground tunnels, caverns, rivers, and rivers mapped to date. Each year, more than 2 million people from around the world visit. Not far inside the cave is a large opening known as the cathedral. In the 1800s, churches sometimes held services there with the preacher standing on what became known as pulpit rock to address the congregation. It is said that on one tour, the guide stopped his group in that spot and told them he was going to preach to them. Climbing up on the rock, he proclaimed, Stay close to your guide. And that is a sermon that every Christian needs to hear over and over again. Stay close to your guide. Better yet, stay close to your God. He is your guide. Walk with Him. God's desire is for each and every one of us to walk with Him. Deuteronomy 5, verse 32 and 33 says, Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. So tonight, choose you this day whom you will walk with. Choose you this day whom you will walk with. Why not choose today to walk with God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, again, thank you for your word. Help each and every one of us here to walk with you. We see the walk of destruction. We see the path that we had down when we when we make our own decisions and we do things and we don't include you, Father, uh, when we try to do that which is right in our own eyes, we fail miserably because our hearts are only evil, they're continually evil. Father, help us not to go down that path, but help us to walk with you. Help us to stay close to you, stay close to our guide, Father, that we may have uh, deliverance and not destruction. Father, I pray now that you'll just be with each and every one here today. Uh, Help everybody to get home safely tonight, Father, in the dark. Pray there are no issues. And, uh, Father, again, just bring everyone back again safely at the next appointed time. We love you. We thank you. We praise you for for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you. You are dismissed.